welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. So are you ready for the word this morning? Yeah, you're in good form. It's all right to, it's all right to enjoy yourself in the presence of God. It's, uh, and if you're watching online, it's, it's lovely that you're with us too. And I, I've been talking about uh, what it means to be prospered, isn't that right? Uh, and what, why is that? Because uh, over 90 times throughout the Bible, the, the, the word of God is clear that God's heart for us it says in Psalm 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God loves to see you push on. Can I say that? He delights when you prosper in your body, your soul, and your spirit. It's not just about the length of days. Remember I said from Pastor Prince when he was talking about, like when you see in the Bible, length of days could be really bad if your days are rubbish, right? If you're going, oh, flipping Nora, more of this, you must be joking, like Groundhog Day, you know what I mean? Uh, no. Yeah, okay. I was going to make a joke because my in-laws are here this week, but Penny's gone. Do you know what I mean? I'm thinking, length of days is not good. That's all I'm saying. That's a wee joke. It's a wee joke, right? And uh, bless them. And, uh, but I just can't wait to get back into my own bed. That's all I'm saying, Joe. And uh, steady, steady. Walking a fine line here. Could go either way. I can see in your eyes. Don't go there. Don't go there. Pull it back. <laughs> you know? Yes. Don't tell Penny it was our wee joke, all right? And... Um, but, but, you know, it's like there's, there's no point in having length of days if your days are awful or if your days are a struggle. But actually, when you came to faith in Jesus, he never wanted you to simply live like you lived before, you know, but, and make like him in you make no difference at all. We're meant to be different from the very beginning of, of God's plan for, for his people. We were always meant to be set apart and our lives were meant to be an example of what it's like to have, have the life of God in you. You know, you're meant to look different. You're meant to see different. We're meant to actually navigate through the challenges of this world differently. Why? Because we have Jesus in us. And Jesus this morning is not stressed. He is not working hard. He is sat at the right hand of his Father in the place of authority, right, with his work perfect and complete. And he says, from this place, I minister unto you grace upon grace. Why? Because there ain't any more work to be done. Somebody say amen this morning. There is no more work to be done, right? You can't earn, do anything anymore for God. Stop trying. You just get tired and you get frustrated and it doesn't work anyway. Do you get that? So just give it a rest. Be kind to yourself, right? And understand this morning that all the Lord expects of you, if, he, if it's even an expectation, I don't even think that's the right word, what the Lord wants for you is to simply come this morning and let yourself be fed, all right? You, so are you open to receive this morning? Yeah. Brilliant, because being prospered is really important in these days. Even this week, anyone, you know, for those of us who are still in that stage of we've got a mortgage, holy smokes, Thursday, boom, three quarters of a percent, and all God's people with mortgages went, oh, for flip's sake. There was no big amens, all right? You know, you're like, as you sit and work out, oh, flip, I've just got poor, right? Like 200 quid, brilliant, awesome, right? For those of you who don't have mortgages, you'd probably go and watch your problem, but go and get a house and put a mortgage on it and then you'll find. And it actually made me think, Penny and I had this thing uh, like a few years ago where I actually felt the Lord say, the the best for you is to be debt-free. And God put that into our heart. No, we're actually working towards that in terms of mortgage. Mortgage means death grip, right? Literally. 
And uh, that's what mortgage means. I feel the Lord say, Andrew, you need to have faith for that. So by the time I turn 40, I'm going to have my mortgage gone, right? <laughs> anyway, so it was something that the Lord dropped in because I want to live prospered in these times. Do you know what I mean? Anyone? Yeah, brilliant. Okay. And uh, so it's all this stuff this week. And I'm going, Lord, you know, and, and actually, I'm a bit of a geek that way. So in my previous life, I was a, a banker. And so I, I always have this eye. I, I like, I'm kind of interested in it. And I, I felt myself going back this week and going, I'm going to try and work. You know, what is this going to look like in the markets and all that? And I just felt the Lord say, shut up. Don't do that. <laughs> kind of. That's why the Lord speaks to me, right? It was like, he probably didn't say shut up, but it felt like that. It was like, give it a rest. I've already gone before you in the way into next year and beyond. You are safe and secure. Yeah. Amen. I'm already there. So what are you worrying about? Do you think I don't know what's happening on Thursday and beyond? Give yourself a break, will you? And let me just minister to you right where you are. Because you've got grace for the day that you're in. That's what Jesus said. You don't have grace for three weeks from now. Do you know that? Jesus said you've got grace for today. If we could get up every morning and say, Lord, today I have all that I need. I am blessed and prospered and favored today. And the enemy will come in and try to steal that and go, well, what about tomorrow? And what about the next day? You don't have grace for that yet. Jesus said you've got grace for today. All right? And see, when you have whatever situation you find yourself in in the days to come, every day you'll have grace for that. But you'll rob yourself of the joy of his presence today by worrying about that which you can't control tomorrow. Don't buy into it. All right? So that, that, that's why I'm talking about being prospered. It's a word that I've, I felt the Lord uh, speak to me. And I, I, can I just quickly go over it? Because I know that some people drop in and out of these things. And I was going, you know, this is not like, I haven't turned into like a, the Belfast Benny Hinn where I'm going to like reach out to the screen and, uh, you know, you too, everything. <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? Holy smokes. Uh, do you know, but do you know what I mean? Do you know that kind of twisted, twisted thing? He's great, actually. I saw him backpedaling very quick. Um, but do you know that sort of twisted thing where we, we, we have, like, where these philosophies and stuff by, in the world, like the world system is materialism, and it says by definition that worldly possessions constitute the greatest good and the highest value in life, and we get preoccupied with an emphasis on material objects, comfort, material consideration. And what happens is, I, I said to you last week, the devil doesn't create anything. All he does is twists what God has put, you know, out there is truth. God is the creator, not the enemy ever. He has no creative power. He has the power to twist, manipulate, and, 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 and kind of take it away from the truth of who God is. So when God says prosperity, the world says materialism. And what it does is it takes our eyes off the one who is the source onto things that will change and forever be changing. Thing, and, and what the enemy says is those things will make you happy and fulfilled. And the Lord was going, no, prosperity was about me in you. Remember I said last week, it's not what you have, it's who you have. And when you have Jesus, you are prospered. I'm going to talk about how to walk into that today because, you know, what will happen is there's a flesh-led, instead of a spirit-led life that causes a connection to Jesus, we have a, a flesh-led life which leads to connection to the world, and it's not easily broken. And it's hard to live, you know, trusting God whenever our eyes are, when our mouths are saying, I trust you, God, but my eyes are on, you know, the interest rates. It's really hard to live blessed like that. You get that? And so God wants to cut through and give us all a clear revelation as we move into 2023 that no matter what is going on out there, you are safe. Do you get that? You are prospered and you are blessed as men and women of God. Why? Because Jesus loves you. And he promised you right from the very beginning that your life would be different, that you would be marked as different and live differently because of your good. No, because of his good. Amen? 
Right, so that's what I've been on about. So it's this word shalah, right? Uh, it means to push forward, press through, or get on. It's, it's this idea of thriving and succeeding. And uh, some of us will need to do some religious thinking that's, that's bound us up in this area to go, oh, Lord, just enough and so much more. It's nothing about me, Jesus. It's all about you. You know, when I'm a miserable sinner and the Lord's really good to me every day. Do you know that kind of thinking? Where we kind of, it becomes uncomfortable, particularly in Northern Ireland, with our mentality and our mindset to stand up and go, I want to live blessed. Oh, well, don't be getting ahead of yourself now. Does anyone even feel embarrassed when I say that? I bet you people online be going, oh, there you go, prosperity preachers. <laughs> Flipping right. I don't want to be sick and tired. Anyone? Amen. Of course. Oh, if you do want to be sick and tired, honest to goodness, go and get your head looked at. Who wakes up in the morning and goes, Lord, just a wee bit more miserable today would be awesome. <laughs> just a, do you know what? I almost tipped into happy yesterday, but I caught myself on quickly, Lord. I, I felt the happy vibes coming in. And I was like, no, 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 that can't be Jesus, for goodness sake. It needs to be harder. It needs to be tougher. I just need to feel like if I'm just getting up to the crest of the hill, Lord, would you just give me the slap of your hand to get me back down again. That's where I live, you know? Anyone? You would be half crazy to think like that, but most of us have. We're on a scale of it, you see, where we dare to believe for something, but not too much. Haven't we been conditioned that way? Dream big, but not too big. Believe God, but not believe him for too much. Don't be getting ahead of yourself now. Don't be dreaming for, do you get me? And the Lord says over all of that, you do not go, I'm going to talk about this now, you don't go to the world, you go to me and what do I say? And my heart for you clearly is I love it when you push forward. I love it when you go further than what your kids, you know, kids going further than their parents, grandkids going further than their, do you know, do you know what I mean? I love to see generational blessing, the Lord says. I love to see my, my children thriving and being blessed, seeing the fullness of God in their bodies, in their minds, in their hearts, in their businesses, in their homes, in their relationships, in their businesses. God is about you doing well. Amen. That's the good news of the gospel, but it doesn't make us selfish. And that's where somebody will pick up on just what I've said. And go, oh, see, there you go, terrible. Make miss, remind us of our sinnerness, Lord. You know, it's like, it's not about just about you. That isn't even a word, is it? Sinnerness. I'm just making stuff up. Do you know why? Because Ireland beat South Africa. All right. <laughs> that's not even a word, is it? No, well, do you know, you know what I meant. You know what I meant. Right, so let me get into the new, the new stuff for this week. Genesis 26. It's not about what you have, you see, it's about who you have. And in Genesis 39, 3, I want to talk a wee bit about Joseph this morning because it says the Lord was with him and the Lord made everything that he do to prosper. And so what I said last week, this is about the presence of the Lord with you. And I said last week, you can never forfeit the presence of Jesus in your life. Uh, Pastor Prince has a brilliant teaching on that. You can never forfeit the presence. Why? Because what we, we equate presence with feeling. That's the difficulty. I feel like I'm in his presence, right? The facts don't care about your feelings. The fact is, according to the word of God, you're never outside of the presence of Jesus. He said, I will be with you always. When you lie down, when you get up, when you go out, and when you come in. You can't flee from my presence, he says. And because you cannot flee from his presence because he is with you, 
No matter where you go, no matter what you do or who you do it with, no matter who sees or doesn't see it, you are in the presence of Jesus. He doesn't hide when you sin. Do you get that? Sometimes we think that the presence of the Lord kind of disappears, but all we're doing is misinterpreting. What we're doing is we're being led, not by the Spirit of God, but by our flesh, which tells us now I feel bad for what I've done. And so therefore God couldn't be with me. But Jesus says, no, even in your worst moments, I am there with you. I am beside you, in front of you, behind you, and in you. Your sin does not scare me away. Do you get that? That's why you can say at all times I am prospered because I cannot forfeit his presence in my life. I can't escape from his presence. He is with me. He sticks closer than a brother, the word says. And no matter what I do or where I find myself, if I am a new covenant believer in Christ Jesus, then he is with me always. Now that's good news. That's good news. And what, so what happens there is, let's just read this in Genesis 26. There was a famine in the land, it says, beside the famine that was in the days of Abraham. Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, don't go down to Egypt. We started to talk about this last week. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. For to you and to your descendants I will give these lands and I will perform the oath I swore to Abraham your father. Remember, Abraham was promised that the nations through faith, the father of faith, Abraham, okay? The faith righteousness, what we stand in. This was before the law. You know, I was having to explain this to somebody actually recently to go as Gentile believers. You know, we, we were not ever subject to that. Do you understand that? You know, the, the law was for, the, for, for God's people, Israel. Anyway, but the thing is we were all sinners and we all fell short of the glory of God. Do you get that point? And so we, we were all in need of a savior and now we've been grafted in with the people of Israel. But Because there's this kind of thing of Torahism which is on the rise, which is believers thinking that they have to, you know, fulfill some of the, the major tenets of the law. It's, it's popping up everywhere, actually. And it's, it's a lie. It's, a, it's a, again, another distortion of what God is doing. But, but Abraham was the father of faith. And he was the father of, you know, he believed God. And because he believed, the Lord said he was acceptable to him. He was righteous because of what he believed, not because of what he did. So this is, that's important now. Um, and I'll make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. And I'll give you, can we put that verse up, Genesis 26? Is that there? And, uh, you know, and let me read it again. There was a famine in the land beside the first famine. It's in the days of Abraham. Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, don't go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall give you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give these lands and I'll perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I'll make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands and in, in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now, when, 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 when there was famine, right? So uh, famine means that there is no fruitfulness and there's no source of supply. That's what it means. And famine in those days was pretty serious because when, there was no, when the land didn't produce any crops, you had nothing to eat, you had nothing to to bank on, and so people died. And it would have caused absolute havoc and confusion. And what happens is whenever, whenever we see lack in our own lives, whenever we're confronted with, you know, with, a sense of, with a sense of lack or not enough, or what do I do, or how's it gonna turn out, one of the things that we are so prone to do is we, because as flesh and blood, this bit of us, what we're so prone to do is we're, we're prone to look at the things which seem to be immediately obvious. 
You know, things that we can see, touch, taste, smell, and hear, right? Things that are physical tend to get our attention most quickly, particularly when we're under pressure. And I, I'm not criticizing anyone for that because we're, we're, we're built, actually, for this need for safety. It's a God-given need. People in the world even understand this. We need to be physically safe and emotionally safe. And so that's part of who God has made us to be. The issue is not, is that a problem? It's where do we find satisfaction for those, those things that God has put in us? That's the bit that we should draw close to the Lord because he fulfills those needs in us. Now, the world doesn't understand that, so it goes for all sorts of things. And normally that's why materialism is such a big deal because we can see it and because we can see it and touch it, we think it's more real than anything else. And so we're attracted to that, right? Does that make sense? And so what happens is the Lord actually speaks here. And I remember the promises whenever they, he, he was saying, I want to put, remember, prosper you. I want you to keep moving forward. I want you to keep progressing. And so he gives them a warning, don't go to Egypt, right? What that means is don't do what the world does because Egypt in the Bible represents the world and a place of what? Where were the children of God in Egypt? They were in bondage and in slavery. Do you get that? So the Lord's really clear. If we see this today, this is why we preach the grace alone. This is why we preach Jesus. This is why I love to be part of this grace revolution around the world. It's because what happens is, even though we, it seems like the most obvious thing, the Lord actually speaks wisdom to us and goes, if you go to the world, the only thing you're gonna get is bondage and slavery. Do you get that? If you go to your own effort, if you go to what everyone else is doing out there, it'll only ever end up, you will be going back to the place that I am trying to set you free from and move you forward in. I'm wanting you to, you to progress in grace, grow in grace, grow in your experience of me. So do not choose slavery when I have called you for freedom. But the problem is Egypt looks good. That's the point. See, when they, they, they started to move out, even the children of Israel beyond this stuff here, whenever they started to move out, and they would look back and they would go, at least we've got three squares there a day, basically. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you've brought us out here to kill us, Lord. Is this what this is about? And what happens is they, they, they start to look back and they start to look through rose-tinted glasses and they start to go, well, back there we were fed. At least we knew what was happening. And all it was was this kind of need for, to be safe and secure. That's all it was. Because when we look forward, we can kind of go, I don't know what tomorrow looks like, but at least I knew what yesterday was. And, you know, that, although it was not perfect, is better than not having a clue about what's coming. And so what do we do? We gravitate to Egypt. And the Lord says, don't go there. I mean, it, like written right back in these very verses, he says, because here's the promise. He says, don't go there. Live where I have planted you. Do you know what that means for us today? Wherever you are, whether it be Bangor or Bangalore, I don't care, all right? It's like wherever you are, wherever you have not forfeited the presence of Jesus in your life, so you will be prospered and blessed where you are, as long as you don't take yourself back to a place that he never put you anyway. Do you get that? Where you are is the place where God will bless you. You don't need to be somewhere else. You don't need to have anything else. You don't need to look at what somebody else has in their life and think, well, if, if, if I was there, then I would be doing better. The Lord says, no, I will bless you where you are planted. Your blessing is not somewhere else. 
Your blessing is not found in something else. You have Jesus today. And so wherever you set your foot, remember, you start to see all these promises that he said the, the whole way through the Old Testament. Wherever you put your foot, I am there with you. And if I am with you, Genesis 39 tells us, then you are blessed. Folks, it's so easy to hear this, isn't it? But so very difficult to put it into practice. That's the rub with this. The rub with it is we are tempted every way to have our needs met and our sense of fulfillment and meaning and purpose found in every bit of Egypt because Egypt looks good when you don't know what's coming tomorrow. And the Lord says to you today, don't go there. In fact, what he says is this. He's actually given you a better, a better promise. Look, he says, I will be with you and I will bless you. For you and your descendants, I'll give you these lands. He says this, I will perform the oath. Do you know what I love? You know what the Lord's speaking over us today? About this is what it means to be prosperous. I'm going to show you how to do it very practically in a minute. But we need to see the patterns in our life to go, let's recognize where we run back to the things that the Lord's trying to set us free from. Some of them are dead subtle. I'm not saying you all go, oh my goodness, something's happened. I'll tell you what, I'm hitting the pubs and I'm going to get hammered, right? That's not what I'm talking about. It's way more subtle, than, although some of you probably do, all right? <laughs> it's way more subtle than that. It's way more subtle than that. It's the small things, right? Like, I'll stop giving. That's a biggie. In these days, I'll stop giving. I don't need to. I need to look after myself. In fact, what we're going to see is actually when you sow in famine, you reap even more. I'm going to talk about that soon. It's totally contrary to what the world says. What the world, don't go to Egypt. There's no wisdom in Egypt. There's only bondage and slavery. Every single time. And the Lord's leading you from what? From grace to grace and glory to glory. He is prospering you. His heart is for you to go. Don't buy that. Know that I'm with you. Practice my presence. I'm going to show you that right now. And you will see, right? Not, do you know what the bigger promise is? Go to Egypt today and get that momentary need met in you. Whatever it is. That flash. Because that's all it is. Or why don't you trust me? And I'm not just going to put a blessing in your life for this moment. I'm going to bless your days, your weeks, your months, your children, your children's children. Why? Because I promise, the Lord says. I will fulfill my oath. Why would we trade a momentary kind of satisfaction, like a carpet right mentality, buy now, pay later? Okay, in a flash, whenever the God of heaven stands over your life today and says, you want to buy that when I am leading you to this? You want to see real prosperity, not just for this moment, but for your days to come so your children and your children's children, the promise is I'm going to fulfill my oath over your life and over their life if you just understand that you're prospered already. Amen, is that good? Man, why do we do it? I kick myself, I do it too. You buy into the narrative crap of the world, quite frankly, which goes, buy this. It'll make you feel better, and it doesn't. It's like eating McDonald's. I don't, you don't get a body like I eating McDonald's. That's all I'm saying, right? <laughs> Why are you laughing? You need to catch yourself on, right? <laughs> <All right. laughs> nearly choked myself there. But you know what I mean? I, what, what I find is, I'll, I'll, I'll take a knock at social media. Nobody feels brilliant after half an hour of comparing your life to somebody else's, do they? Truthfully. I just need to 
stay connected. No, you don't. You're just nosy. Come call it for what it is. <laughs> oh, did you hear that? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not saying anything, but <laughs> isn't it mad? But even, do you know, I, do you know, I, um, do you know our hope? She's a wee pet. Do you know what her favorite dinner in the whole, so Sophie's favorite dinner in the whole world is a roast chicken dinner, like proper food. Went out last week for dinner as a family and she went, Daddy, I'm not eating, I'm getting to the stage where I'm now buying four adult meals, I tell you. It's not good. Anyway, so we, Sophie, she goes, I'm not eating chicken nuggets. I don't want burgers and beans and I've had enough. What do you want? I want a roast dinner. Okay, you're never going to eat that. All right, but you know Hopi's, Hopi's favorite, she's different. She just loves fish and chips, right? She just loves a fish supper, right? Now, we were out, people, if, if you're watching online, in the country here, right, they have portions that honestly would feed normally. You know when you go out about Belfast, people are quite tight. You go out into the country, country folk know how to feed you, don't they? <laughs> Flipping, Nora. So it's like there was a whale, so Hope had whale and chips, right? <laughs> put on her plate. Anyway, long story short, she only got through like half of it, so Penny said to me, you, you help her, right? <laughs> she didn't, I, I volunteered, right? I volunteered. But I was 18 quid, I wasn't like, going to let it go to waste, right? 18 quid for a fish summer. Wild. Anyway, I digress. So anybody, see, after about half a, half a month, like, I was just like, Ugh. it looked lovely, but do you, do, you, do you get that sort of battery and then you just start, I'm going to book anyone? Or you're all just feeling hungry, going, oh, I love a fish supper. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? And you kind of go, oh, what looked lovely, right? <laughs> then about half an hour later, you're going, I really, really regret that. Do you know what? I had a pint of Guinness just to take away the uh, taste. It didn't help. <laughs> it's good for your stomach. That's what I'm saying. Full of iron. It's a health drink, actually. <laughs> it is. It's a health drink. If you don't really, it's good for your iron. You'll never be anemic if you're on Guinness. That's what I'm saying. But the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, it's, it's like that. I'm just trying to encourage you this week to stop and think. Slow yourself down in a moment and choose God's grace for your life. Because it's always bigger. It's better in quality. It's better in quantity. It's a never-ending supply. It never runs out and you can't switch it off. Only if you choose something else. Power choice is really clear. Choose grace this week. Can I show you how to do that? How do you choose to be prospered? Isn't that kind of like a funny, funny way of doing it? I actually preached this earlier on in the year, but this week, I just couldn't get away from it. And what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5. How do you, like, literally, practically, every day this week, go, I am prospered. The presence of Jesus is with me when you've got lots of stuff going on around you. How do you do that? Yeah? Well, let, let me show you. There's a, there's a key to this excuse me, in 1 Thessalonians 5. And these verses tortured me for years because I always felt like, I always felt like I couldn't do it, right? So do you know what those verses are? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 17. Like, this is God, and it actually says, this is God's will for you. And then, I, so, so let's read them. It says, uh, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, right? And everyone went, ah, oh, flipping Nora. Why? Because my feelings aren't anywhere. You know, if this is the path to prosperity. This is how you practically practice the prosperity of God in your life every day. But here's the thing. How many of you feel like that this week have felt like that every day? 
Let me see that show of hands. For those of you online, there's one. Right? The rest of us are probably going, ah, I can probably point out a couple of times pasta when it wasn't maybe just as wasn't maybe just as full of Jesus as what it should have been, anyone? All I'm saying is in us here all week. Right? That's a wee joke. It's a wee joke. <laughs> so glad Penny's on youth this morning. But you get me. I go, how can I be prospered when I just don't feel like, like you don't know what my situation is. You don't know what I'm walking through. You don't know how hard it is for me or how strong this stuff is for me. And then the Lord comes and says, well, rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances because that's what God wants for you. And you go, there's just another layer of condemnation right there, isn't there? Until, do you know what I love about the word of God? Put it through the finished work of Jesus and tell me what you see. Let's put this through the lens of his grace and his finished work and it totally transforms what you read here and it's the path to how you become prospered. You live in it. Because whenever I, 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 it was about this time last year, actually I started to look at this first because I was thinking, you know, when I read this, you know, rejoice always, you know, give me joy in my heart, keep me thanking, right? <laughs> Isn't that right? Pray continually, oh. You know, oh Lord, da, 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 da. all night prayer meetings, nightmare. I, do you know what these 24 7 prayer things? God bless them, right? I get like six minutes in and I'm like, I'm done. Anyone? Like, we can pray for every child in Africa by name and all that stuff. That would keep us going. But honestly, now you're probably getting really shocked here. Going, do you not know how to pray, Pastor? Well, actually, I'm going to show you what this actually means. Right? But, is it, you know, when, you're, when I'm told to give thanks, Give joy in my heart. Give. It's like, I can't do it. I'm doing it through gritted teeth. And then I feel like a hypocrite. And then I feel more condemned because I'm a hypocrite. And give thanks in every circumstance. You must be kidding. You don't know what it's like for me on a wet Tuesday in November. Do you, Alan, when the flipping rain's hitting the windows? Right? And then put it through the lens of grace. Let me just show you this because at this week, this should really help you. Because my own default response at times is not one of rejoicing when things are hard. And therefore, I don't think that I'm prospered. You know, I have to work through a range of emotions on any particular day. Anyone? Does that make me a basket case? No, it just makes me human. Is that okay? Is that too honest? Would you like your pastor sort of uh, wrapped in? Whatever that is. What was that? He's, would you like your, your pastor randomly firing arrows? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it means. Let's have a look. Three things which I think are fundamental. The word here for rejoicing always is the root of this word is zaro. And it means to lean towards, right? And the word then is cognated. It's put together with grace. So rejoicing, right, literally means to delight in God's grace. Literally be conscious or glad for his grace. So, what it, what it, so the first thing of rejoicing always is not getting up and feeling bad that you're not going, praise the name of Jesus, okay? You should do that. It's good for you. It's good to praise. It's good to give thanks. I'm going to show that. But that comes at the end of what? First of all, what are you leaning towards? Because rejoicing always doesn't mean that. What it means is I lean in, I turn towards his unmerited favor. Does not change your things. So what the Lord says is, if you want to be prospered, so like, I know that you're with me, 
but now there's a difference between knowing that God is with me, but now I'm going to lean in to what his grace says. You know what that means? I'm going to give it my attention. Every minute or at some point of every day, I will lean in towards grace. I will point myself favorably towards Jesus and his finished work. In that place, he says, then pray continually. Remember, praying continually is really hard. You run out of stuff to say, yeah? And then you feel bad that you, you should, be, well, it should be brilliant to pray, but you know, I'm, I'm now starting to feel tired of this and it's not making a difference. I mean, all this kind of stuff goes through your head, right? Well, that's not actually what it meant. What it meant was actually when you pray continually, it's, um, it, it literally, means, I'll come to it in a minute, but it literally means as we turn towards God, that's rejoicing, okay, and leaning into his grace, then what we're going to do in that place is we're going to take all of the weight and the worry and we're going to exchange it for his promise. That's what praying continually means. I, I love how grace changes things, doesn't it? See, the, 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 see, what's the opposite here? The opposite is of leaning, right, into grace is what? If you're not leaning towards grace, what are you leaning towards? The world, Egypt, and yourself. And so what happens then is the result of that will be you'll, you'll, you'll never feel good enough. You'll complain. And what, whenever we're leaning into ourselves, we're more mindful of the problem than we are of Jesus. Why? Because our attention is on us. And because, and, and why does the Lord say, first of all, lean into grace? Turn yourself, orient yourself towards Jesus and his finished work in your mind and in your heart. Why? Because when you're more aware, it's really hard to complain when you're really fully conscious of who Jesus is. Do you get that? When your eyes are on Jesus, they're not on you. That's why this week, on the Tuesday, whenever I'm scurrying through the business and all that kind of stuff, uh, just very quickly, the Lord said to me, what are you going to put your eyes on here, Andrew? What are you going to lean towards? What the money men are saying about the next two-year recession or whatever? Is that really what you're going to lean and orient yourself towards? Or in this moment, are you going to lean in to his grace? Right? Do you get that? Ask yourself in any particular moment when you start to feel press and stressor. Press and stressor. <laughs> I'm having a tough morning, right? I was like full Sean Connery right there, wasn't it? Press and stressor, Miss Moneypenny. So what we're going to do? Like that, Alan? So here's the thing. Yeah, in those moments where you feel it, right? Slow yourself down and go, which way am I pointing? Because your feelings are only showing you what you're thinking of. That's the way the Lord made us. We think about something, it gives us a feeling, and then we behave a certain way. We think, we feel, and then we behave. And what the Lord says is some of us live in feelings which dominate our behavior. Why? Because we haven't yet oriented ourselves fully towards Jesus and his grace for us. So, do you know, it's really practical. This is how you practice prosperity in your life, knowing that his presence is with you, right? And I'll, I'll bring it back to the Genesis thing in a minute. But whenever that moment comes, the first question that I ask myself is, what am I oriented towards? What am I turning towards? What am I looking at? What's getting my attention? Because I know that I'm not enough. And you might go, well, I just don't feel like doing this, Andrew. You know, and that's why it's a choice. Your feelings are not unimportant, but they are not primary, your feelings will follow your choices eventually. That's the way that it works. And what happens is when we complain, it leads us to lots of negative places. We compare ourselves to others. Uh, and that's a huge issue in the church, actually. When we don't lean into grace and process it, okay, there's a, a lack of gratitude, actually. It leads to envy and all sorts of stuff. That's why, you know, I, I think it's, it's really, really important, okay, like to go very practically this week. I... I made loads of choices this week to literally switch off 
I just feed myself on grace. Do you get that? Really super practical. Switch it off. Nobody cares about your dinner on Instagram, right? Is that news to some of you? What did we do years ago? Here, run around restaurants going, look what I'm eating for my dinner. <laughs> Why do you think, you didn't do it then, why do you want to do it now? Anyway, I digress. Dinner, self-think. Nobody cares. It's gone in a moment. All right? I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying don't, don't get full into it. Because in those moments, you only get to spend your time once. Do you get that? You spend that half an hour, you're not getting it back. And what you've got to think through is, what am I getting for the time I've just invested here? Be really proud. What am I going to get? What is the return on my, the investment of the most precious thing I have after my health, which is my time? What's the, what the, what's the return? Can I just give you some testimony? I have found leaning into God's goodness this week to be absolutely revolutionary again. In the middle of a week, which should have been fairly stressful, to go, God, your grace is amazing. But this is going on, I know, but the Lord says, I have blessed you. But this is going on, the Lord says, you are the head and you're not the tail. But this is going on, and the Lord says, I've already ordained blessing over you. But this is going on, the Lord says, you know what? You just keep putting one foot in front of the other each day, and you will walk into the blessing that I predestined years ago. What about this? And the Lord goes, what about it? Do you think I'm sitting here stressing? I'm above it all. So I keep my eyes on the one who's above it all. And all of a sudden, what happens? My feelings go, he's above it all. I sh have you ever thought, I should be more worried than what I am? Why am I not, why am I not panicking like the world is? I've often thought that. Am I missing something? Like the world, like, and then I go, no, I'm not missing anything. I've just, I've just dialed into the right thing. You know, I'm drawn from the right source here. The Lord's not panicking. Recession. Oh, terrible. And then kind of going, the Lord says that he's going to bless me a hundredfold in a land of famine. Stay where you are. Do what the Lord says. And I will bless you a hundredfold where you are. Why? Because that's my oath to you. Ha, huh, brilliant. Amen. So then we pray, we pray continually. Let me just, this, this is a, a really interesting word. It's a bit like the first one. It's called prosumai, right, in Greek. And it means towards or exchange, right? So I love this. It means properly to exchange wish. Literally to interact with the Lord by switching your human stuff for what he says. I love this. So first of all, I've got to turn to him, right? I'm not talking some, like physically, but in my head and my heart, I've got to look at where I'm oriented. And then in that moment, he goes, right, now what are we going to do? I can look at the eyes of Jesus, but he says, you know, cast your cares onto me. Why? Because I care for you. I tell you this, you will never find yourself in a moment where you are face to face with Jesus that he doesn't lift something from you that he doesn't want you to carry. But he says, see what's in your hand? What is it that's bothering you? What, are the, what is it that's weighing you down, the Lord says? What is it that's causing you to be anxious? Is it your health? Is it a loved one? Is it your money? Is it your job? What is it that's weighing you down? Is it a, something that's not resolved? Whatever it is, what is it? He says, now praying continually means come to me, cast it onto me, give it to me, and I will give you faith instead. Pray continually. All of us every day can come to the Lord and go, Lord, 
Thank you for your grace. This is weighing me down, Lord. I cast it to you. I give it to you. Knowing that in that moment, in faith, you have lifted this from me and now I receive faith and grace instead. I'll tell you now, do that. I'll tell you what happens. Most of us will try this when our backs are against the wall. You know, we have to be really pushed, some of us, before we turn to Jesus. Too honest? But that's not the case. It shouldn't be the case for all of us. Because what we'll find is there is a practice to this. And by practice, you need to hear me in this. It's like there is a, a rhythm, a cadence, a routine, if you like, a heart and a mindset which goes, I turn to Jesus. And I'm not doing it because I know it's the right thing. What will happen is at the start, it will feel like I've got to practice and train myself in this. But the, the word talks about that. We get trained in the word. And then it becomes part of who we are more and more. And then it becomes not just what we do, but who we are, right? So it'll feel like I'm doing this because I've heard it and I need to practice it. But keep going because there will be a point where all of a sudden, this is now who I am. Reading the word is like that for me. There has been many times in my life, honestly, where I've read more of the word and times where I've read less of it. Are you shocked by that? You shouldn't be because it's probably like your life too, right? And I don't mean giving it a cursory glance. I mean really reading. But what I find is there's a t- there is a time when as a rhythm and as a routine where I have just put my, my heart towards the Lord to go, I'm going to do this, then actually it starts to become the truth that I can't go a day without doing this. Something changes. Do you get that? But the problem is because we're feelings-based most of the time, my back's against the wall. Oh, I'll turn to grace, give this to you. Your friend, it didn't work. But actually, when you're practicing the presence of Jesus and being spirit-led in your life, it's like in every situation, tuning in to what the Lord is saying because you're in his presence. You don't have to go, oh, Lord, what are you saying? He's there with you, right? He'll give you wisdom. He will speak to you. He will guide you. He will help you. He, you'll hear that, you know, on the inside of you what the Lord is saying to you in any moment as soon as you turn. And in that place, what I found this week is even just going, I I get to do this more as a rhythm in my life of just going, there it is, Lord, it's yours, I'm leaving it with you. And do the situations resolve themselves every time? No. But every time the thought comes up of that's not resolved, I go, Lord, I cast my cares to you. That's what, it's not brilliant that you can do that. You You don't get the cast whenever you're doing well. You get the cast at any time of the day or night, right? I give that to you. Sometimes I even say it out loud, Lord, that's your problem. Lord, you've got bills to pay here. Lord, you've got stuff to sort out. I'm giving it to you. And then the last thing is this. Is this okay? You feel encouraged? Uh, the last thing is this. He says, then, in everything, give thanks. Right? Again, based in the same word, Eusaristeo, uh, this is a, a cognate of good and grace. And properly, what it says is this. So in everything, give thanks. It doesn't mean give thanks for everything, but in everything. Can I just really encourage you? Like giving thanks is, is the same dec- The same word here is the same word that Jesus used before he fed the 5,000. It's eucharisteo is the way it's written. And what it simply means is this. When I turn to you, Lord, when I cast my cares from you, what I do then, I let my mouth declare what I know to be true and I speak it out, prometere in Greek, send it forward into the days to come. Your grace works well, right? Do you get that? 
Your grace works. That's what giving thanks means. It's simply a declaration. And it's separate from your feelings. I can say with, with confidence, your grace works well, even if I don't feel like it does. Do you get that? But there's something in the spirit happens whenever you declare, I've turned to you, Lord. I've given you, I've given you all of my worry. I've cast it to you. You're giving me faith in, 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 in response to that. And so my response is, now, God, your grace is working well. I am trusting that what happened in that moment as I cast my cares to him, he is working. Do you get that? And so I let my mouth declare it, and I encourage myself, I encourage my wife, I encourage my kids that God is working. I can't see it right now. I don't even probably feel like it right now, but my declaration of faith of what who he is and what he has done and that he is moving is more than enough to change the situation. His grace works well. Do you like that? So every time the thought comes, the enemy puts it back into our heads. What do we do? Oh, fight the devil. No, you don't. You just stand there and go, his grace works well. His grace works well. His grace is working well. I can't say it. No, but his grace is working well. It's so contrary to the world. It's not rooted in what you can see and taste and touch and all that stuff yet. But his promise is you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Psalm 27. You might not say it straight away. You might want to say it straight away. Hold on, the Lord says, every moment, turn to him, give it to him, receive from him, and declare, yes, you're working, and his promise is, Psalm 27, you're going to see his goodness in the land of the living. That's how you know you're prospered every day. Do you know what? When I do that, at times I feel like the richest man in the world. Because it doesn't matter what comes. It doesn't matter what I'm facing. I can just go, God, you're, my dad's bigger than your dad, right? That's a Belfast expression. If you don't know what that means, it just means our dad's bigger. Whatever's coming my way, you're bigger still, Lord. Is that okay? That's how you, that's how you live prospered. Let me just tell you this. Like, um, yeah, see this here? That, that there's, there's, you know, um, I, I just think there's miracles happen whenever this, this is the way that we live. It's a very, it's a very, you know, like, John, in, in John chapter 11, um, I, th- I think it's like, yeah, it is 41. There it is. It says, Jesus lifts, lifts up his eyes and he says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. That's just what I want to I say to you is every time you, you, you walk in grace this way, turning to him, receiving from him and declaring, that's it. Then let, let, then let him do his bit. The Lord says, I heard you. The enemy will tell you if he can't see it, he didn't hear you, or if he did hear you, he's not working for you. Both are lies. John 11 is clear. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Right? I thank you now that you've heard me, that your grace is working for me. And so what can I do other than just for today, I know that I've got grace for today. Amen? That's what it means to live prospered. How can I tune in to, to being like, I know your presence is with me. Can I tell you? Make that your rhythm. Recognize it. Don't be lazy. Don't go and feel no wee bit down, so I'll go, Facebook is my friend. No, it's not. You'll just feel worse. It'll be like eating a fish supper. Great at the time, awful afterwards. Don't go to Egypt this week. The Lord's promised where you are, you're in his presence. Where you are, you are blessed. So turn to him, give him the guff, 
receive his grace, let your mouth declare it, and you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen, church? Stand to your feet. Let's go. I feel like I'm having a hot flush here. Anyone else? A couple of things we're going to do. Actually, Adam, come up. You, you can lead us in, in communion this morning. And uh, as Adam's going to get ready to lead us in communion, we're going to sing a song. We're going to worship together. We're going to lift our offering together. And uh, I'll come up and pray at the end of, uh, end of the service. But um, it's a beautiful thing to be able to take communion together this morning. I believe that right now God's working. Just steady your heart this morning and say, Lord, thank you that you're here. As Adam leads us this morning, I believe in faith that your body's going to be healed, that peace is going to be just coursing through you right now in Jesus' name. That's a really good word. It's really good this morning. You know, when Andrew was speaking there, I just had a real sense of, you know, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And a real encouragement, just when Andrew was talking about Egypt, for those who have felt that they have dwelt too long in Egypt, or you've gone back time and time and time again, it does not negate the grace of God in your life. It does not negate your future. Your future God has for you is still just as clear to him as it always has been. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. So we thank you, God for your body that was broken for us, that we can live in wholeness, that we're no longer defined by our mistakes or how long we've spent in Egypt. We're defined by what you say, which is we're loved, forgiven, whole. So we thank you for the body that was broken. We receive everything you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you, Jesus, for your blood shed for us that we are forgiven. And it's very, very key to say past, present, and future, forgiven. I was reading this week about uh, Jesus being an intercessor for us, where Jesus himself right now prays to God for you. And it's interesting, I thought about that when I was thinking about the bloodshed. God, Jesus doesn't go to God this morning and say, oh God, would you just forgive them again? Would you just, would you just forgive them again because they made another mistake? No, what Jesus does for you because of his bloodshed, I'm spilling a little bit, what he does is he says, Father, remember what I did for them. And the Father goes, yes, that was great. Remember I made them righteous? And the Father goes, oh yes. Do you remember I forgive them and cleanse them? Oh, that was brilliant. That's what it is when Jesus prays for you. So we thank you, Jesus, your bloodshed, that we walk in wholeness, we walk in life, past, present, future. Amen.